Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the TV Pilot's License Flight Number 33 with service to Shelby, North Carolina. We ask that you please fasten your headphones at this time, secure your podcasting device, and remember, if your neighbor happens to be a celebrity or a pseudo-celebrity, leave them alone. For all you know, they're worrying about the IRS or the state of their jet ski. And please refrain from talking about them behind their back right in front of them. That's just rude. Welcome to the TV Pilot's License. My name is Jeff Kerbis, joined by Max Singer and Rich Inman. How are you boys doing today? Oh, Good. I am absolutely fantastic. I am ready to just uh, knock this one out of the park. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> wow. I'm doing the 999 challenge over here. Nine beers, nine innings, and nine, uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> nine minutes of paying attention. Oh my god. Well, this week, ladies and gentlemen, we are doing the 2009 through 2013 classic known as East Bound and Down. Uh, but before we dig into this pilot, uh, Max, do you mind telling us what this podcast and telling the folks at home what this podcast is all about? Absolutely. So here at TV Pilots License, we break down and analyze the pilot episodes of some of television's most famous or in some cases infamous shows. We figure out how they came to be, learn about their creators and showrunners, and we take some time to figure out if we think they could be made today and if they're effective pilots and making us want to watch more. We've got plenty of episodes now wherever you get your podcasts from, so please uh, like, subscribe, go back and listen to some shows you may already know and love, uh, take a shot in the dark at something you may never have seen before, and if today is your first time flying with us, then welcome aboard. And Rich, what did you bring to it for us this week? Uh, well, I normally do a question of the week, but I think uh, it, it, we're high. It's high time for a uh, new segment, especially this being baseball related. There's a lot of rule changes around baseball this year. Uh, so one of the rules being the pitchers have a certain amount of time to deliver each pitch, which is shortening games and making for some extremely weird strikeouts in almost every situation. Uh, so I wanted you guys to go off on the league limit of 25 seconds about something on baseball in a segment I like to call the bitch clock. Oh my God. <laughs> so, so let me get this straight. You, you want us to bitch about something in baseball, 25 in ba something, about something about baseball, baseball for 25 for, seconds. We'll keep, okay. we're, we're keeping it brief. Um, and I can go first if, to give you guys some, some extra. Yeah, time I would, it. I All would right. love an example. Yeah. What's, what's grinded your gears today, Rich? <laughs> All right. I'll tell you what's kicking my dirt right now. Stop doing the wave. Be, number one, I, I don't need any more uh, reason to stand up during the middle of the game. I'm drinking a lot of beer. I already have to pee a ton. When does it end? Am I supposed to just like keep going until it dies out? Am I supposed to be the one that's parting, like starting it? I, there is so much of a social contract with the wave. Please stop doing it. I, it makes me anxious. Oh, yeah. Rich, I'm right. going to have to Woo! give you a slight penalty because you went two seconds <laughs> yeah. over. Yeah, so the batter that, takes that, first. That's a strike. <laughs> that, that, that's a strike. Um, all, right. all right, Rich. Uh, oh, Max, you ready? Yeah, you I'm, ready? I'm, I'm fucking fired up now. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> all right, and go. A hat shuffle should be three hats. <laughs> enough, enough of this. Enough of this six and seven hat Michigas we're trying out at stadiums. Enough of hats being inversed in three D. No, it is based on three card Monty, but for small children to play. There are three hats, one ball. You shuffle them around. That's it. End this complicated BS. And that's time. Wow. wow, that was right at twenty five. That was too. really I'm, good. Max is a I'm, Max is a pro uh, object uh, uh, object permanence fan uh, and really wants to limit the amount of hats going on at the game. What a a strong stance. Uh, no child left behind of uh, of the baseball world. <laughs> All right. All right, Jeff. Uh, are you ready for your bitch clock? Okay, I'm All ready. Right. And your time starts now. Someone save Shohei Atani. He needs to get out of Los Angeles. Someone, please, please, I, I beg of you for baseball's sake. Someone take over uh, the Anaheim Angels, whatever they're seconds. called these days. No one cares. Like, I, I would kill to see him in Seattle or somewhere else. Just please, someone trade for Shohei. Thank you. Yeah, wow. Right on the money. Beautiful. All right. Beautifully done. That 
that was so much fun. Like, yeah. what, a, what a way to kick things off. I, my yeah, adrenaline is started pumping right now. Yeah, no, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to, I need to run a lap. Um, but, like, Max, before we dive into, like, talking about this show, um, I know that, like, when we were even talking, this show's a little bit different. It's a of a different era when it comes to TV as a whole, when it comes to, like, some of the themes that we're seeing. And, like, Anything on your mind before we, to put the audience sort of in that mindset? Yeah, totally. So going back and rewatching this pilot, before we really get into the nitty gritty of it, something that I was fascinated by is we don't see a lot of comedies in the modern era. And there are exceptions, of course, but that are like these character-driven star vehicles. And what I mean by that is like, it's not a lead or an ensemble that feel like regular people. Kenny Powers in Eastbound and Down is, he's not a real person. He is this character. He is so over the top. The things he says and does are things that only like the character of Kenny Powers can get away with. And you give mm-hmm. them slack because it's such, you know, uh, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's clownery in a way. And at the time that the show premiered, it followed in its Sunday night hour block, Flight of the Concords, which is another show that is very, uh, it's lampoony, it's character driven, the things and, you know, stories don't feel like things that happen to real people. And it's a style of humor that I feel like has really gone out of vogue in this current decade. But when you think back to like starting in the 90s, every feature film studio comedy was this like SNL to feature film character driven uh, yep. like blockbuster. You think about the stuff with Mike Myers and like Wayne's World, the Austin Powers movies. You think about all of the character voices and how like Adam Sandler built his whole career on that. Uh, we have to talk about Master of Disguise with Dana Carvey. We just have oh, to. Oh no, we do not. Do we? Um, <laughs> but then you like you really see it. You can't in, talk about Turtle Club. You really see it in the two thousands <laughs> with. Will Ferrell and Adam McKay, also from that SNL pipeline, producers on Eastbound and Down, uh, and that entire run they have in the 2000s. And so I was trying to think of like examples of this style of humor, these character-driven shows or movies that are still relevant in 2023. And the two that I thought of were Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar, Mm. which, uh, you know, it's a slightly older skewing cast not that they're old but you know they're not they're not new to this game and i think the other one i would consider is ted lasso um okay and these are also just both examples of snl led ones though so i was wondering if you guys had anything that you thought maybe contributed to like why this style of comedy has gone out of favor or if there's examples of it that you could think of from the last few years that you found successful so I think one of the things is like in recent years and like people have fallen in love with the concept of an ensemble. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And it's, it's really interesting because an ensemble, when probably a producer looks at it on paper, they're like, Holy shit. We have like all these great stars that are willing to be in our TV show or in our movie. And I can't wait for it. But then when I go back and I look and I think like, oh, shows that like and a great example where is Barry. If you look at Barry, Mm. Barry is an ensemble cast. Every single character on that show has a role that they play that is so specific. While the show is literally called Barry, Mm -hmm. it is not just about Barry. It is about everyone. Um, But then. I think of a show that is very driven by one person and that's the rehearsal, Um, Mm. the rehearsal with Nathan Fielder and Nathan Fielder is sort of this just fantastical creature that, you know, runs around Los Angeles. And like during the time of the rehearsal, I know I was talking to people and they were like, yeah, I passed the studio where he was doing it. And like, I wonder if he's in there and stuff like that. And you just are sort of infatuated with it. I used to go to the Alligator Lounge all the time. There's very few actors and actresses in this time where I'm just like, you can create a character that is just that captivating that you can 
have an entire show around it. And that's why the rehearsal, I think, was so interesting. My question on the rehearsal, though, is does it count if the character is himself? Like if he's if he's playing Nathan Fielder, whether that's his personality or it's exaggerated for the show, does it count if it's Nathan Fielder? Yeah, that's a really solid question that Mm. I don't have a good answer for you. I think part Uh, of the reason maybe it's fallen out of favor is because with the rise of social media, we want to see comics as themselves we want to like get a glimpse into them and social media twitter and instagram allow us to do that so maybe now the way we perceive humor is less about big sketch comedy and more about wanting a peek into someone's real life and real experience and that's why maybe we're seeing a reduction in like big bold brash characters and more like quaint real lifestyle comedy i don't know rich do you have anything yeah i think the big difference for that I see is a if it's character driven, it is one person that is a unique individual, a unique creation that has dropped into the real world. I think that's what we're trying to describe here with with um, Eastbound and Down. And I think right now what we really only have, and this is still kind of an ensemble cam- comedy, is because Ted Lasso is still kind of like a real based character, real like uh, you know it it is like. He's kind of a he's just a big old goofball like that's his that's the nature mm-hmm. of his character. Um, right now, I think Letterkenny is a really good example. Letterkenny oh, and Shorzy. Um, however, that is an ensemble cast in the fact that in the sense that they all kind of act like that, and and you know it is kind of like a microcosm of rural Ontario. Um, other than that, I think we kind of don't develop comedy star power like that anymore. I feel like if there is just one person that they're going to center everything around it, you know, it's the re uh, and I'm sure there's someone screaming at all of us right now, listening to this, um, that like uh, of a, a better example, but I think, uh, I, so I, or I'm sorry, I think you should leave is an example of a character based show, but all of the characters on that, like it's multiple characters that are crazy. It's not just Tim Robinson. And I think that is maybe that and Letterkenny are probably two of our, uh, two of the best examples going right now. But even then, you know, Tim Robinson is not an a list like household name before he started this. Neither is Nathan Fielder. Jason Sudeikis is more of the SNL to, to sitcom pipeline type person, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of that is due to Lauren Michaels just recognizing that SNL IP could become movies at, like very early on, and they're you know them doing the Blues Brothers and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, there's just too many names now to yeah, to I, just I do keep think it to Tim one Robinson's person. a good example, and from that same universe, Tim Heidecker as well is a good example of it. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. This just made me miss a very particular style of comedy and you know this is a show that came out during our formative years this show premiered in february of 09 like the the final semester of all of our senior years of high school i'm sorry i just dated us all rich you can't do the gen z <laughs> yeah. shtick anymore oh um, uh, no you don't don't dox an 18 year old <laughs> Damn it. but like this, this came up like our formative years and i think that's why we're all like attached to that style. I think that's why like maybe I was reminiscent for that style of comedy while watching this. And so I am excited to get into it and talk about this big over the top ham of a character today. I mean, tell yeah, let, let's hear more about it. Let's let's actually let's get to the meat. Yeah, and before we dive into the show itself, a quick synopsis. After substance abuse and insanely self-destructive and obnoxious behavior, Throw a knuckleball at his Major League Baseball career, former pitcher Kenny Powers retreats to his North Carolina hometown, where he takes a job teaching physical education at the middle school he once attended. Um, A little bit more went into the show before it could have that synopsis made. So, Max, why don't you tell us a little bit about it? So today we're going to be talking about the pilot of HBO's Eastbound and Down titled Chapter One, which premiered on February 15th, 2009. And we're going to be talking about a trio of writers today, uh, Danny McBride, Jody Hill, and Ben Best. So our story begins not very far from Eastbound Down's story. We're going to kick things off in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, where our trio meets while attending the North Carolina School of the Arts for College. Uh, while there, they're also going to become good friends with writer-director David Gordon Green, uh, another collaborator, someone who's involved with a lot of Eastbound and Down as well. 
the trio gets their first big crack at success with the indie comedy the foot fits foot fist way uh directed by jody hill and starring mcbride as a hotshot taekwondo instructor in a small north carolina town strip mall so Foot Fistway gets made for $79,000. That's it. Oh, my God. And it gets into Sundance Film Festival, where it earns up a deal with CAA, and the distribution gets rights get purchased by a brand new company, Gary Sanchez, uh, the production brainchild of Adam McKay and Will Ferrell. Yeah, like mere weeks after Sundance, before anyone had actually seen this movie, Danny McBride and Jody Hill go on Conan McBride as his character, Fred Simmons, to do a live Taekwondo demonstration that goes completely awry. Jody Hill is one of his like Taekwondo helpers. It's actually a kid who you see in the Eastbound pilot, one of the students who's in this demo like bit as well. And no one knows who these guys are. And it's just, it's completely going over the it's audience's amazing. head. They have no idea what's happening. It's absolutely delightful. Go back and watch it. Um, but yeah, after the Conan appearance foot fist way eventually gets a like nationwide release and develops this sort of under the radar indie cult following McBride starts to appear in studio comedies as an actor, including hot rod, super bad and tropic thunder. And the trio begins working on their next script, uh, a TV show idea called Eastbound and down takes a lot of the Fred Simmons attributes from foot fist way and combines it with former major league baseball players like John Rocker and Mitch wild thing Williams, along with McBride's real life experiences working as a substitute teacher in Virginia after graduating college. Uh, so with Gary Sanchez behind them, they draw a lot of interest on this pilot. They actually take meetings with NBC, CBS, and ABC. However, the trio doesn't feel comfortable committing to a 24 episode season. I think that's for the best. I was trying yeah. to imagine this I, show in like the 2009 NBC block. Like I'm trying to imagine a family friendly version of Eastbound and Down slotted alongside like 30 that, Rock and Parks and Rec. And I just can't do it. It breaks my brain. <laughs> so I, I do have a question um, because we're, we're going to talk about the plot of this show. But if this show was to be on NBC... What is Kenny Powers' catchphrase when he strikes someone <laughs> out? Uh, so no more you're fucking out? It, it's definitely not you're fucking out. <laughs> and any answers? Any answers? Is it you're freaking out? Because that just does not hit the same. <laughs> you're out, Bubbaloo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine this as a CBS multicab? Like, I... oh. No, this no, is like... a, that's, you're describing an entirely different show. There, no, there so is Rich, no Kenny Powers without the swearing. Yeah, no. Like, Rich, I'm just imagining, I don't even remember the name of the pilot that you watched for our year-end special, but, like, I'm just imagining... Oh, the bowling one, goes, the, Pete, uh, yeah, the, the bowl Pete Holmes bowling one. Yeah, it just goes quietly in and out of the night and out of existence, most uh, likely, if it's on but, CBS. you know, for the best for everyone, this show does end up in the hands of HBO, where it gets a six-episode order for its first season. Uh, also, a side note here... Uh, writer Ben Best also appears in the role of Clegg, the Shaboom's bartender. Uh, oh my god. Unfortunately, Best did pass away in 2021 at the age of 46. Oh. Hill and McBride have continued their collaboration since the show, though, with HBO follow-ups including Vice Principals and the currently airing uh, Righteous Gemstones. And that takes us to today's episode. Oh yeah, thanks, Max. All right, well... You guys ready to jump in? Yeah, Jeff, you're fucking in. All right, cool. Um, so this show is our second show in two weeks uh, where we start with a narration, um, which is... It's a short one, my, but a good one. Yeah. When my ass was 19 years old, I changed the face of professional baseball. Holy shit. Yeah. What a way <laughs> to, like... I, I heard that line and we saw this amazing like just a very simple scene of kenny power striking out someone we get all the context to end the need. world series to, yeah but it's to end the world series and we get to see the rise and downfall of a man in such a quick period of time um what did you two think of this like um 
this montage. I'm, um, I'm such a simpleton. One of the funniest things to me is when grown ass men say that they're a teenager in like movies and TV shows. Yeah. Like the joke in <laughs> the joke in Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story, where he's like, "I'm 14." Like <laughs> yeah. it's John C. Riley. I'm only 14. <laughs> Or just like clearly like grown ass Danny McBride with his goatee and mullet and gut saying that he's a nineteen year old like that. It's just I'm sorry. It's it's really dumb. It's really funny. They um, just put a little bit of foundation on it, like a middle aged white man. But yeah, I, I love that opening line of like when I was nineteen. When I was nineteen years old, I was handed the keys to the kingdom. All of this. Um, Rich, you and I watched the episode together. We were laughing at all of the magazine covers, particularly yeah, Better Homes and Gardens. Down, better Homes and Gardens. <laughs> There's the, Some of the magazines were just... Their High Times was in there as oh, well, yeah. which is just like... It was great. But I thought that this montage did something really, really powerful. And Max, we talked about character-driven TV earlier, but 2009 was like in the midst of the rise of anti-hero television if that makes sense, right? Like we had shows like, and I can't believe I'm putting these in the same sentence <laughs> as uh, Eastbound and Down, but we had shows like Breaking Bad and Mad Men, which focused on rooting for the villain in many instances. And this is a show that focuses almost entirely on the villain. And within like th- not even three minutes, they do a great job of just making you say like, without a shadow of a doubt by throwing out slurs and mm-hmm. like just being a general terrible human being that you cannot leave being like, Oh yeah. Kenny powers is a great guy, but boy, am I interested in watching the train wreck that is about to happen. That is his lifestyle. Yeah. And I think because he is so boisterous and over the top, even in this first cold open, uh, like that's going to dictate whether or not you even want to watch any more of the show. Like you, you know before we even see that first Chiron of several shitty years later if you're going to keep watching the rest of this or not. Yeah, and, and you know, I think that's a, it's honestly a fair comparison, Jeff, uh, to even though it is on such a pedestal like Breaking Bad or Mad Men or, you know, you really, I think it's important to have a hero with a com- with a complex journey and obviously not everyone can just be Clark Kent. It, it's very much... <laughs> Like no, everyone can be. Everyone, everyone can just, be clear. Everything yeah. is a comic book, but that is that, that is, or that does end up being like the the source of a lot of uh, material, especially now. I mean that 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 trend has not ended by any means. Like you have shows like Hacks that's like that, and if we're in the comedy sphere, the Bill Cosby Show also features the villain. <laughs> oh my god! Um, but after that, several we see that several shitty years later. Um, I really liked, so um, there's this technique with filming that takes from art, um, and this is me going on, oh, I went to school. Um, so <laughs> I went Titian to school. Was, so Titian was very famous for using red to be able to draw your attention to the main character or the main point of a painting. And it. I instantly caught this as well with this uh, first scene of, Kenny's onboarding uh, to becoming a substitute teacher because while everything is drab and in these dull tones, there is Kenny in this red. And boy, did I love this scene of just someone behind him talking the most shit possible. Yeah. I cannot believe we have compared the pilot of Eastbound to Down to the works of the Italian painter Titian and Mad Men. And we're like three minutes into this breakdown. <laughs> Well, like, and what makes it worse is so the line similar, I'm Max. about to say is the guy who's behind him also becoming a substitute teacher says he looks like a big bag of mashed up asshole. Uh, and Which I, is what Rene Descartes famously said. Yes, that's, right. no, that's very famous words. Uh, but it's just, I, there are some wild things that you can say in front of someone to insult them. That was just, I think that very much set the tone of this is Shelby, North Carolina, and this is sort of the welcome to the type of environment that Kenny Powers came from that maybe made him into the man that he is today. Um, Followed up by, once they are all out, uh, that same man saying that Kenny Powers 
slept with his stepsister. So that's why they're welcome to have a conversation. Uh, and then Kenny Powers knocking his ass out. Um, yeah, there's nothing about how this town is portrayed that's like any semblance of class. And it's interesting that they're, I mean, they're throwing the R word around. They're throwing like, uh, you know, really crass concepts around. The middle school is named after Jefferson Davis. Like, it is, there, there is literally no class to this town whatsoever, and Kenny Powers still steamrolls all of them with the low-class behavior. It's really impressive. So, after this intro, um, we start to really get a better sense of Kenny's first day, right? This narration that we've been hearing in the background is actually Kenny's uh, book that's on tape, which is just, holy shit, what a clever way of doing narration and not, like, having me believe that, oh, like, yeah, Kenny's having these profound thoughts on his own. No, these are something that were a different time. And when I saw that reveal, I was like, holy shit, this is just fantastic. Yeah, the fact that Kenny Powers listens to his own audio his own narration of his biography like to get himself motivated that just tells you everything about this character that's such a great choice to make it gives you so much insight to like the ego and just like what an asshole this guy is yeah and it, it, it honestly just serves as a great uh source of exposition for his past too like just so many things are revealed through just the narration uh or like the narrator type quality of his audiobook like it's just i i mean kudos to the writers that's a ton of exposition to fit in what 25 minutes but what a fun fucking game for the writers too you could just yeah. write anything you want because like the the audiobook are just like one-liners like i i had forgotten about this and i thought it was him like making notes to himself or something to write a book or something down the line and so it's just like you could write any one-liners you want here, and then you could have just Kenny listen to them. It's just such a fun, endless game they could play. So, after this, like, we see Kenny, um, Kenny sees April, um, who is, we assume, someone that he knows from the past, just based off of the shooting of it. But the way that we are introduced to, like, April's character speaking, uh, she... <laughs> She says the term pentagram of penises, which I just have written down. <laughs> that is, I know, that another another great look into how crass this entire town is and just like how insane these kids are going to be, which is just like, everything's happening off screen. You don't need the kids to do anything friggin' weird. You could just like, yeah, these kids are a little disturbed and, and yeah, adds a lot to the joke material for it. I, I did really love this scene though of like kenny powers and april like and kenny just flirting with april uh because it does do such a good job of like giving us even more background of like okay so if kenny powers was in major league baseball at 19 years old he never really had the chance to let's be honest grow up in how he flirts with women or like talks to just people in general. So Danny McBride just not even looking at April, but shouting April, April. Yeah. And then turning around, I I, I was crying. He has some, I was like, like, this is so fucking funny. It's such a beautiful characterization or like, I don't know, just joke of alpha male uh like tactics, like like pickup artist tactics. Like everything he does looks like it's coming off of a YouTube video by an incel. It, it is very I don't know. What do you got, Max? Well, I was going to say, it feels like Kenny Powers reverts to these, like, high school versions of itself. It's, it's that thing where you go back to your hometown and parts of your mm -hmm. old personality come back up. And it's like, it, it's this. It, it's the, like, badgering by saying her name over and over again. Um, it's when he's in the pool with his brother, uh, Dusty, played by John Hawks, when he tries to, like, stand up real big, like, just to, like, assert dominance, but, like, he's kind of, like, puffs his chest out in the pool so very funny. awkwardly. Uh, it's, you know, crying himself to sleep next to a stack of porno bags to show that, you know, he, he is human <laughs> after all. They make Kenny's, like, 
reverting back to his 17-year-old self so evident in here. And I think that's what makes this character fun is that he is very childlike deep down. And although he says it does awful things, uh, he's, you know, he's very much a kid. He's a big kid who does a lot of cocaine. (laughs) (laughs) So I just want to wax poetically on the next character we meet. And that's Terrence Cutler, played by Andy Daly. Oh, I love Holy Andy Daly. Holy shit. Andy Daly is a goddamn gem. Yeah. In, like, everyone on the show does the assignment. But Andy Daly does the extra credit. Uh, like, he he literally just comes in and absolutely... You 100% believe that Andy Daly is the principal of a middle school. You 100% believe that he is doing a triathlon this is the one line i always will remember from this uh pilot when uh kenny says i play real sports not trying to be the best at exercising which i have kept i remember that was forever that was copied and pasted on a lot of people's facebook statuses in 09 <laughs> <laughs> and like i just andy daly being this role is just it's perfect. It is exactly what I think we need because we need that straight man who's also just so fucking funny at the same time. No one does a it, straight man like Andy Daly. No, and it's such a funny one-sided foil relationship because Terrence Cutler is the nicest guy in this pilot. Andy Daly is so lovable and affable. And so like the hatred that Kenny Powers spews towards him over Cutler's engagement to April is is delightful because it's like there's no fight there's no feud this is entirely one-sided cutler's a gem of a human being (laughs) it's an un it's an unflinching punching bag which is what he plays in semi-pro which is what he plays in his uh his own uh tv show on on comedy central and review i mean it is really like here here's someone to come absorb the extremely hostile environment around him so a couple of other things happen, right? I do want to just shine a light on that introduction of Kenny Powers as the substitute teacher to the PE class. And then him basically telling all the children to pick on that one kid was fantastic. Yeah. Um, but like there, there are trends that start to like shine on Kenny's personality, right? We see that cafeteria scene. One, don't throw around the concept of rape just out and about yeah well like but the idea of kenny it just seems to shine that kenny has to be the star of any conversation or anything that is happening uh using whatever means possible um and what's the stevie bit like so we meet stevie janowski um who's played by steve little i like felt so terrible for steve because you're gonna feel worse as as the season goes on i know i know (laughs) but like him just being like oh yeah i was the guy who wore a cape for an entire year yeah i would remember that there was a kid at my high school who wore a cape for a year and i remember him this is also one of those like small schools the kid in the cape yeah yeah it's it's also one of it's it's a small school phenomenon too thing like where um in comparison to something like Oh, God, what, uh, Napoleon Dynamite or something like that. This feels very just like, you know, there's 80 kids in the graduating class. No one gossips really that hard because it's, you know, what's the point? You're all going to stay together. Like, you're all going to keep hanging out and stuff like that. It's just like, yeah, you let a little bit of weirdness show through every now and then because you think that person's a little bit off and everyone thinks that person's a little bit off and that person can just own it. But if you go to like a bigger school or something like that, bigger city school, uh, you can very easily be outcast by quite a few people. I think that lunch table also shows though, Kenny's tendency to be like ostracized in group settings and like his inability to connect with people. And it kind of made me like wonder back to the cold open of you show him bouncing from team to team to team to team in his major league career. And it's like, Mm -hmm. was this him in like every locker room too? Did he like fail to connect with people in every major league clubhouse he was in? And now is he like struggling to make any human connection in a like middle school cafeteria? He's the one like going around slapping people in the balls and stuff like that and not actually making friends with anybody. 
Yeah, it, it's definitely, it's very revealing. As is, we get back to, so Kenny is staying with his brother and his sister-in-law. And we get back to the house in just a moment of, it, it, I can't help to say it was hysterical, the idea of Kenny Powers trying to order a sex worker over the phone using someone else's phone. Oh my God. And negotiating use, wearing a scream mask. I want to see all of the outtakes from this scene. I want to see every alternate line of dialogue that they came up with for him to ask into that phone call. Because you know that somewhere there is a laundry list of jokes oh, yeah. they tried out before they finally oh, landed on, can I wear the scream mask? That's ten minutes of material that they that they had to edit down to maybe thirty seconds. Yeah, and it we also start to see this like stark reality of Kenny's situation, right? Like there is a confrontation. One of his uh, nephews is on his jet ski. Uh, he calls. I I think he calls his sister in law um, a church bitch, uh, <laughs> which I've never heard before. But even. Uh, even you could tell that Danny McBride like said that and felt bad immediately because if they were just letting him ramp and he's like, I say that. And I know that was wrong. And he just keeps on shouting. And it was just, it was so uncomfortable yet funny at the same time. And it, like, yeah, it made me nostalgic for this type of humor. The delivery in this whole sequence, this rant is so funny to me from Danny McBride, like yelling expletives. And then in the same breath saying he realized he shouldn't have said that to yelling that he isn't because he doesn't know how to express himself which like great character insight right there boom we love to slide that in uh i'm a huge fan of if i stop yelling it means i lost the fight which is such an infantile way to go about debate yeah it, you start to like this is around the scene too where like you get the reveal of him crying in, the, in his bedroom and stuff like that this is kind of like the first little little inkling of like humanity and i'm like not being such a narcissist in every single you know conversation uh altercation with another human being out in the world and i, I don't know I, I it was nice you can't just have kenny powers being kenny powers for an entire episode there the character has to have a little bit of depth and they finally get it like i don't know 15 minutes into this pilot yeah and then right after we get some depth we go to Shaboom. Damn right. Um, <laughs> so, like, as he very so, forcefully announces, I'm going to Shaboom's. <laughs> yeah. And Shaboom's was another instance where, like, using that to help paint the background of how Kenny became Kenny, right? Before he was given money. Yeah. We right? all was have like, our own Shaboom's in our lives. Yeah. We, we, we had Shaboom's. Uh, we, we, we literally did. had a room in our fraternity that was called Shaboom's. And yeah, that well, was you, you guys did. I'm 18. That's to say nothing <laughs> of the Shaboom's that's in your heart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like this, just like this scene, I don't want to dive too much into it, but I think it just did a good job of painting like, hey, Shelby, North Carolina is not exactly the best of the best. Right, we have people who toured with widespread panic. Uh, hey, whoa, driving whoa. being in whoa, 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 driving whoa. song being <laughs> in the background of the scene was great, and like a plus to whomever chose that. Widespread headline Lollapalooza back in the day, man. Show some respect. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> but like, we get the we get the Tracy, who's the hometown, you know, mess, and uh, the Valtrex comment. And I, I will say the bartender. Um, Clegg, who's played by Ben Best, is great. I think everyone has a Clegg in their lives or a bartender that they're way too close to. They're just down. Um, and it, it was good, but then we do get... There were moments where they just let Danny McBride be Danny McBride. Mm -hmm. And the return home scene was one of those where he is drunk, high on cocaine, and just staring at his nephew <laughs> in this reveal. The, the horror, that, the horror cue to the jump scare is such a precursor for David Gordon Green, Danny McBride, and Jody Hill working on the Halloween reboot a decade later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, like, um, I, I think this is where we get an establishment of, like, Kenny is just going to keep battling his 
own ego, which is like the number one monster that like is ruining his life. And then number two, substance abuse is going to be a massive part of this uh, of this entire show. For comic effect, of course. For comic effect, where he goes yeah, and like, he inhales the chunkiest cocaine I've ever seen on TV. But like the funny part about that is we see Kenny like going all out on substance abuse and then the next scene we find out that the PE teacher he's substituting for died of substance abuse. Oops. And Kenny proclaims, oh, you can die from taking too many pain pills. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that goes back to the thing. He came up to the show at 19 after high school and it's like he's never been told no. He's only had yes men in his life who have enabled him to make all these bad choices professionally, personally and so yeah it's like it's a dumb joke but it's also like no one's ever told kenny like hey man take it easy it's always been go 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 for him yeah and we get this really there's one serious moment in this pilot um and it's done by John Hawks, who plays Kenny's brother, Dustin Powers. Mm. And he says, and there's one line that I have just written down. You used to be someone I liked being around, and now you aren't. Um, and these are very simple words. Yeah. But I think that they're very powerful words that most of us can really relate to. There have been people that we have, our friendships have, you know, strained because someone has changed or outside influences and this moment could be a moment where we see Kenny Powers just be like, you know what? I got to step up. Um, and he does decide to step up by completely misinterpreting uh, this. And we get this hysterical, like the hallway dream sequence is just bonkers in the best ways possible of like the fanfare and really a line of vision into Kenny's self you know, visualization of himself. I think Kenny's self-visualization is also pretty well encapsulated. And it's not him wanting to be a better person. The phrase he uses is that he's going to get back on top. So to him, like being a better person means being like the pinnacle of success. It means fame. It means fortune. It doesn't mean being a good person to his family. It doesn't mean being a good uncle to his nieces and nephews for the first time. It means like, being the fucking man again. And that, that says a lot too. Yeah. And we get this big speech from Kenny Powers, which is great. Uh, we get the comedy of Andy Daly doing yoga in his office and then running across the entire school <laughs> to try to stop it, which was just great. But then we end this pilot with Kenny Powers jet skiing like the man uh, with, you know, Tracy with the woman from the bar the back of the jet ski <laughs> topless the jet ski Kenny that minutes been... ago he said that he was going to sell to help pay some family bills nope and it was it was just you know what kenny powers is going to be kenny powers and that is the end of this episode um were there any things that you loved that we didn't talk about in this pilot I'm going to fire on three points super quick. Uh, the first one is the final line when Kenny storms out of the school. He high-fives two janitors, and one of them goes, where the fuck is that dude going? It's still first period. <laughs> that's the actual, that's the final actual line of dialogue in this pilot, and it's such a funny line before that ending, uh, like, pre credit scene of just jet skiing around with rock music blasting. Yeah. Um, I have to give a shout out to John Hawks as Dusty Powers because this show comes out in February of 09 and a year later he's going to be Oscar nominated for his role in Winter's Bone and I just can't imagine <laughs> having to campaign for an Oscar while also promoting Eastbound and Down like they're just two completely different things you have to focus on and those upfronts must have been hilarious uh the third <laughs> one is i like the one sports trope scene in here where it's kenny after he gets the full-time offer sitting alone and the gym bleacher just kind of like solemnly play with a basketball and there's that moment of like like he's at a personal crossroads and is he gonna take this safe job to like pay back his taxes to the irs and become a better family man but also give up on his comeback in the possible like in the process 
Uh, well, it turns out you could do both, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Rich, what about you? What were what were some uh, things that you loved well, about this pilot? I, I you know, I, Max and I watched this uh, together, and I think it's the first time we watched a, a pilot together to prepare for the episode. Um, but in the middle of a lot of moments where you're just like really Donald Glover grabbing the collar, like, oh, like, uh, man, I can't believe he said that. I can't believe he made a joke about that. I can't believe he just dropped the R word like that. Um, there was a lot of really funny dialogue spart- like sprinkled in that just like made uh that just kind of like snapped you out of it and just like, whoa, okay, uh, I'm I'm like really laughing out loud. I actually had like a few moments where I was like, is this a good show? Is this better than I remember? And uh, you know, the what the what it lacks in like a uh in relatable characters really, I think it uh, I, I at least for me, uh not a lot of relatability in, in the show. Um it definitely makes up for just like really funny moments. And that one scene of Kenny ordering uh, a sex worker is like, I mean, just like hit after hit after hit of just like extremely funny, just take your mind out of it dialogue. Uh, but yeah, that's, I, I uh, that's one say, of the biggest things I loved. I would say Eastbound and Down is a lot like Major League Baseball today in that the batting averages are getting lower because of analytics. But the home <laughs> runs are are up there. Like this show does not some have absolute the dingers joke batting average. But oh man, yeah, they're they're bashing some absolute taters out there when they do make contact. <laughs> what about you, Jeff? Um, yeah, I I think that one of the things that I love about this show is that it real first of all, Andy Daly, just like Andy Daly, yeah. just like. Mm-hmm. And Andy Daly, Andy Daly, I I love Andy Daly <laughs> in this show so much. Um, I also love that Craig. Andy Daly? I love that Craig Robinson is also in one scene of with this no show. dialogue. Yeah, and we fully can expect Craig Robinson to come back at some point in time because they didn't just have him on for thirty seconds and we're like, thanks, Craig. Uh, Craig, you'll get your day right. Mm-hmm. Like, and then. Um, the other thing was, I think it takes a very special type of director, writer, and actor to be able to pull off some of the shit that we saw them pull off in this show, right? Um, you mentioned the sex worker scene, right? Like, that's that could have been done by a lot of different people, and we would have been talking about it in the next segment of this podcast, the wait a minute moments. Yeah, truly. Right? Because we would have been like... What the hell was that? It was the most uncomfortable thing. But Danny McBride and Judy Hill and like they they pulled it off completely and entirely. And I was just like, yeah, no, they they had it going. Um, and that is to be able to do that, to be able to know that chemistry is awesome. Um, and you don't see that all the time. So like that's that's something you gotta like really love. With that being said, though. Um, what were some wait a minute moments for you two? We can gentlemen? tackle this as a collective, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Max. You can tackle. Yeah, so I, I think we're all on the same page here. I think it's the elephant in the room with Eastbound and Down is that, like I said, not every joke knocks it out of the park. And and I know comedy is subjective, trends change, but I, I don't think that these were jokes that were even like flying in 2009 and i think that's part of the point with kenny powers is that he is this pariah and he says his inflammatory remarks and he's gonna push your buttons um it but like obviously it's gonna be part of the legacy and like for some people i could see them being really taken out of this show because a lot of the humor does rely on this like dated Again, it's it's the high school infantile thing. It's the jokes that he makes as a 30-something-year-old man are the jokes that a, like, not keen on the ways of the world 15-, 16-year-old makes in high school. And what I will just add to that, because I think, Max, you said it really perfectly, is there is a responsibility that someone takes when writing jokes like that of making sure that 
you are putting the full, you know, power of how poor decision making using those words are or using that type of humor is. And there are people who we all know who heard those lines and were like, oh, that's really funny. I don't see anything wrong with that. And also other so, people like, in that room who are like, oh, you laughed at that. Why'd you laugh at that? And I should rethink yeah, our exactly. friendship. Um, so like, was it necessary? May maybe, right? Like, but I think that there's another way and it might take a little bit more effort but you can still paint how terrible human beings are without using some of that yeah i i can understand the writer's choice to have kenny powers say and do those things a hundred percent especially in a pilot where you're trying to like really hit the nail on the head of what your tone is what your show is who this character is and i will say because i i love this writing group here they they do refine this more as we go into Vice Principles and now Righteous Gemstones. I think they find a way to do this style of humor and they do it a little bit smarter each show they create together. And if you haven't seen Vice Principles, go check that on HBO. If you aren't caught up on Righteous Gemstones, check that out as well. Every single time they get a little bit more money to work with and they make this whole portrayal and this whole dating the bride stick a little savvier. And I think they're figuring it out more. This is very much their first attempt at it. Yeah. Um, so I have one more wait a minute moment. Please. Um, but before I get into it, any others from you two? No, I think you guys pretty pretty much nailed it. Uh, he's he's a crass Michael Scott character where you just like build up more and more of his un inability to talk to other people. So my wait a minute moment is that I genuinely think that Kenny Powers was based off of a substitute teacher from my <laughs> high school. Uh, so uh, let let me explain. Um, so going to high school, uh, I had a history teacher. Uh, her name was Mrs. Zisk. Uh, Mrs. Zisk, if you somehow find this podcast, oh boy. God bless you. You taught me through a lot of different types of history, and you were a gem of a human friend of the pod for sure. <laughs> but occasionally, uh, instead of having just a random human being be the substitute teacher, her husband was our substitute teacher. Now, her husband's name was <laughs> Richie Zisk. Um, Richie Zisk played 13 seasons in Major League Baseball. Uh, he hit over 200 home runs, had a 287 batting average, like two-time all-star. Not a slouch. Played for, uh, played for Rich's uh, beloved White Sox right. in the 70s, uh, as well as the Texas Rangers and the Seattle Mariners. Like, the guy was a pro. Now, uh, Mrs. Zisk, I, I will just say this. Your husband was never excited to be in the classroom. <laughs> and and um, I, I, I honestly, like, super nice guy. But there is almost that part of you being like, I used to play in stadiums full of people. Like, I, I was an all-star in Major League Baseball. They don't just give that to anyone. And now I'm here teaching AP U.S. history uh, that... I, I that gave me a little bit of pause. So uh, <laughs> the Zisk family, if you're listening to this, thank you uh, for being a part of my education. And yeah, that that was a wait a minute moment for me. <laughs> um, so as far as I will be the only one probably to give a daddy of the week and no surprise, it's Andy Daly. Andy Daly's great. Uh, what a gem of a human being. Jeff, Jeff has a solo. Jeff has a fully siloed. Uh, <laughs> uh, a yeah, bit and now. I I also have a sound clip for it now. Hello, Daddy. Yeah. Whoa. So, Daddy of the Week, Andy Daly's uh, character. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, we also have an in-flight question this week, and this is something that all of us will participate in. Uh, so, our in-flight question this week came from our Instagram. Um, which you can absolutely, if you are on the watch out, you will see uh, us put out plenty of things looking for questions. But this one came from our friend, John. Uh, if you could name a pitch, what would it be? Ooh, um, a great question. Rich, 
you are the baseball player out of the three of us here. Um, what would you name your pitch? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think I'm going with the snot rocket because it's uh, it's fast, it's gross, and no one wants to look at it, baby. It also sounds like something that would absolutely be like a selection on backyard baseball. Like oh, hundred percent video game. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. There's a snot rocket. Max, what about you? So, Rich, just like so get this clear, you are. Uh, you're snotting the ball before you throw it, correct? Like, That's right. No, I'm sneezing all over okay. the ball. It's a COVID special. <laughs> <laughs> Max, uh, what about you? Obviously, uh, using <clears throat> sticky substances gets you investigated by the umpires and can get you tossed in the game. Uh, but there's no rule about tying a thin little bit of wire around a baseball, pretending it's a yo-yo. So no. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to... Mine is the yo-yo ball where I <laughs> fling it at the batter and then I bring it on back and I make him look stupid. Uh, and mine would be called the grandma special as I underhand uh, throw the nice. baseball to the batter. Uh, Zach Greinke you know, is I think it's gonna go listening great. closely. No one, no <laughs> one's ready for it. Uh, absolutely zero people. Jeff can uh, only well, start day games. He cannot pitch at night. It's too dark. Yeah, no, it's gonna it's gonna go really poorly. <laughs> His prescription's not that good. Uh, uh, well, thank you, John, for that in-flight question. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more at the end of the episode about how to submit those. But I want to talk about the legacy of the show really quickly. Uh, there really, surprisingly, is not that much. The show had four seasons and 29 episodes. Uh, from two, It was on from 2009 to 2013. Um, what's interesting is the timing of the show. Because normally with HBO, they pick a slot or a time of the year that you're on. And they sort of stick to that. But this show went from a winter show to a fall show to a winter show after a year hiatus. Hmm. And then it took another year hiatus and became a fall show for its final season. Always um, reassuring. Is, <laughs> yeah, really, really reassuring. Um, genuinely, for some of the shows we've talked about, it actually had its best ratings going into its final seasons. Uh, its first season on Metacritic, it was a 64. Uh, its last two seasons, it was a 73 and an 83, which is actually like really, really well, uh, really good. Like anything above a 60, Metacritic is like recommend uh, watching. I think they kind of uh, figured out what to do with him at a certain point. They're just like, yeah, can, exactly. can we have like, can we build a real character arc on this, or is he just going to be Kenny Powers thrown into whatever situation? So. Talking about how baseball is a sport that is internationally recognized and beloved, this show was internationally syndicated in 15 different countries, uh, which is more than I thought. Uh, the show <laughs> It had really is the seven... World Baseball Classic. Wow. Yes. The, sh the show had seven different nominations, but won zero awards, unsurprisingly. But Danny McBride did get a nomination for a Teen Choice Award for a breakout TV star unfortunately uh because of the zero wins he did not win uh rich i know you care uh it you can find this entire show on a dvd box set of all four seasons on amazon <laughs> prime last i checked there were 15 of them left so if you're listening to this podcast and you want one go and grab it uh but yeah, hurry now people <laughs> we watched this show on hbo max remember uh, it might be on HBO Max for now. For now. <laughs> <laughs> so go and get that uh, DVD box set. Um, with that said, that is the history of this show. Um, Rich, guess what? What's that? It is time for your game of the week. Hell yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I forgot I have a song now. It's Rich's game of the week test the trivia knowledge this week yeah we, we were gonna <laughs> use black betty but i really can't get sued by ram jam again not again <laughs> rich what is your game of the week uh so being that this is a show about an inflammatory baseball player i want you guys to play a little bit of spot the fake on uh what is a i have i have here four stories of ejections for major league baseball games uh, I'm sorry, not Major League Baseball games, but professional baseball games in general. And I want you to tell me which one is not real. Uh, starting with number one, Gary Robinson took a, uh, took a base out of the field, autographed it, and threw it into the stands during a manic tirade against an umpire. That's number one. Number two, 
Manager Lash Beauchamp took off his shoe and put it to an umpire's nose to smell while yelling at him. Uh, number three, Tommy Lasorda once brought a plate of hot dogs from the locker room after after being tossed to a heavy set umpire to make fun of him in front of everybody. Uh, and final, that's number three. And then finally, AJ Przinsky won board during a long spring training game. Just flat out asked for the manager to throw or for the umpire to throw him out, which he graciously did, making the batter laugh on live TV. And that's number four. Which one do you guys think is the fake? So knowing AJ Przinsky, I absolutely believe that's real. <laughs> uh, let, let's just talk about my thought process here. Um, I'm going to say it is the signing of the plate uh, because I know that there was someone who I know it's very common to take those plates out, but also acquiring a Sharpie or a pen to sign it seems very extra, but it's also many would steps. Not surprise me. So I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to go with that. See, I feel like the Sharpie isn't hard to obtain because they have like the, like the boards the and stuff cards. to keep track of like what, players have gone in what pitchers are still available i'm gonna go with the tommy lasorda story because i don't see a situation where you could have that close of proximity to hot dogs to acquire that many that quickly when you're heated <laughs> in the moment well they do have food in the clubhouse before during and after games for the players that's what i was thinking as well um so rich what is it uh max you were right it was the plate of hot dogs it was uh <laughs> it was the only one uh aj perzinski has uh is responsible for two of my favorite throwout stories um this one oh, where he put me in, coach where he literally asked joe west to throw him out of a game that was taking too long during spring training and he was bored and then and then another one where uh he continuously asked for baseballs after uh receiving a blown strike call for uh from the umpire where he just says he grabs a ball from the umpire throws it off and he says no 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 and the umpire says what's wrong with that one and he's like i want one that you can see and then immediately gets thrown out of the game <laughs> holy shit <laughs> I know, As we all know, there's no rules in spring training except for all the new rules that rob manfred tries out during spring training <laughs> well rich thank you so much for your game of the week um, as we prepare to come to a landing uh, on this episode, I have two very simple questions for you both. Do you think this show could be made today? And would you continue watching this version of the show? Uh, I... So for me, I oh, don't. Sorry. Who would like to go first? <laughs> Max, why don't you go first? Excellent. Delightful. A gentleman's game. Um so I I don't think this could be made today. I, I don't think we could see Eastbound and Down in 2023. I don't think we could see a network getting away with a Kenny Powers type character. However, there's nowhere else on TV right now where I could see a Kenny Powers type character. And having watched this, I could absolutely go back to the well for more of Kenny Powers. Rich, what about you? I do not have the same nostalgia for this show that I'll, that you guys might. I, I know it was extremely, extremely popular for us when we were in college that just like there is a frat boy mentality to how the show is written and, and acted and everything. I don't think it's being made today, especially with the type of jokes that they're using. I know the jokes are just supposed to be explaining how bad of a person this guy is. And and they weren't even made for 2009. Uh, I'm also not down to watch more of it, which is which sucks because I love baseball media in general. I love I love the different stories that revolve around baseball. My favorite movie is still Bull Durham. Um, but yeah, it is not it's not hitting it for me. What about you, Jeff? So are you saying that Eastbound and Down, you're fucking out? <laughs> That's right. You're fucking out. <laughs> Uh, I, I will say this is out in the left on the left for me. Uh, so let me explain as far as this show being remade today, maybe right. Not on HBO. Um, 
I, I believe that there's a certain uh, Fox streaming uh, channel that you can pay a little bit extra for called Fox Nation, and I could absolutely see them oh, wow. uh, wanting a version of this oh, show. Wow. Are you pitching this as a lead-in for Gutfeld? Damn right. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Uh, but no, in all honesty, I could see some network executive looking at the show and being like, I want to make a version of this that's a little bit more cleaned up. Um, I could also see a network exec being like, I'm going to make the gritty version of Kenny Powers because everything gritty needs a version. gritty version. <laughs> they make a gritty version of the French, uh, fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Why not this? Um, so what I will say as far as me watching it, there were definitely some jokes in this show that I really enjoyed. Um, is this one that I'm going to seek out? No. Probably not. Um, I think that I have some nostalgia for it as well, right? Just based off of when it came out. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, if someone was like, hey, you want to watch an episode of this and just like sit down on the couch with snacks? Yeah, why not? Uh, I'm not going to protest. There are snacks. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. There are snacks. I just want the snacks. It's a vehicle for snacks. Uh, Exactly. It it is a vehicle for snacks. With yeah, this that is truly piece, this is a show that I just want to like have a bag of pretzels next to me while I watch. Like <laughs> So Max, uh for people to be able to input their questions of the week, what is our next episode? So be on the lookout. We will be taking questions on all of our social media platforms for our next episode, which is gonna be Frasier. Oh baby, we hear the blues of Colin toss salad and scrambled eggs. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> Uh, join us at uh, for the episode release. Uh, it's going to be Thursday on uh, Thursday morning. It's gonna be uh, I forgot what day it is, but that's when all of our episodes release. So please drop us a question at TV Pilots License on Instagram. And if you're looking to watch the episode before uh, you listen, uh, you can find it on Peacock, Paramount Plus, as well as on Hulu. With that being said, though, um, as our plane has come to a land. Uh, where can we find you two gentlemen? Uh, so you can find me on all things social media at Maxwell Singh. Uh, you can find original sketch comedy from myself and Rich over on TikTok at Dadwagon Comedy. Uh, you can also find this podcast on TikTok now at TV Pilots License. That's Give right. Uh, and rate and subscribe uh, the podcast too. We would we would really appreciate that. Uh, you can find my fastball getting decreasing uh, rates of return uh, over at Damn That's Rich on Instagram. You and you can find me uh, rocking out on a jet ski at your local uh, lake. <laughs> uh, you can also find me on Instagram and Twitter at Run Jeff Run. You can find the TV Pilots License on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram at tv pilots license if you have a question about the show or for our next episode you can email us at tv pilots license at gmail.com or give us a call at 213-290-1713 make sure to watch out for our instagram for a sneak preview of some of our upcoming episodes with the plane landed and the seatbelt sign off we look forward to flying the bright skies of the tv world with you again and until then stay grateful